we must all be determined from this point onwards to make our minds peaceful. We focus our awareness upon knowing the in-breath and the out-breath, together with the mantra Bhutto. Developing these basic meditation themes of Bhutanu Sati, the recollection of the qualities of the Buddha, and Anapana Sati, mindfulness of breathing, are a way of cultivating Sati, that is, mindfully recollecting. We practice Dhamma in order to train ourselves, to further the development of our hearts and minds. We practice meditation for the purpose of elevating our hearts to loftier, nobler heights, making it more excellent and sublime. All of us here possess confidence, faith and trust in the great teacher, the supremely enlightened Buddha. He is known as Sattadevamanusana, the teacher of gods and humans, the arising of a supremely enlightened Buddha, one who realizes ultimate truth for the welfare and happiness of the multitude, both earthly and celestial, is not a common occurrence. However, we have all gained the opportunity to encounter the Buddha-sasana. The Lord Buddha set the wheel of Dharma turning over 2,500 years ago, and with his first, te- first teaching, Venerable Anya Konanda attained the vision of Dharma. This same teaching is still in motion, being realized and transmitted right into the present by the Lord Buddha's Sāvaka Sangha. His enlightened disciples, such as the most venerable Lumpur Cha, who practiced in accordance with the instructions of the fully enlightened teacher until he understood and realized the Dharma for himself. He then established a base of, for training here at Wat Nong Papong, producing a large following, many of whom are now senior monks and, and great teachers themselves. Therefore, as long as we still have faith in our lives, we have this opportunity to, to discover the teaching of the Buddha its practice and its realization. Every year we gather here at Wat Nong Bapong to, to recollect the kindness of Lumpur Cha and to practice sitting and walking meditation as an offering to his memory. We make an effort towards the higher cultivation of the mind because the mind that has never been trained or developed will inevitably follow its worldly moods. When mindfulness and samadhi are weak and unreliable, the heart will naturally race along with these habitual moods and mind states. Desire and aversion, sloth and torpor, agitation and restlessness, ill will and doubt. These five hindrances are what separate the heart from the good and the wholesome, and obstruct the realization of Dhamma. At this time, however, we can make an effort to train our hearts trying to cultivate mindfulness, whether standing, walking, sitting or lying down. Whatever our activity, be it drinking, thinking or talking, we have mindfulness, that is, clear recollection. Alternatively, we can establish the, rec- the recitation of a mantra, putto, tammo or sanko, to govern and guide our mind, whether standing, walking, seated or reclining. We establish this internal recitation of Buddha to govern the mind's tendency towards distraction and diversity as it wanders about into the past and the future, continually proliferating. If we don't have a basic meditation object to govern and guide our mind, then it will be very difficult to make the mind calm and still. The heart will will inevitably just follow its usual variety of moods and preoccupations. 
However, when we put forth effort to train, to train mindfulness and focus it on looking after the heart through the recitation of a mantra, then it will gradually become more peaceful. The mind that used to be lost in proliferation, unable to settle in meditation for even five minutes, will become more peaceful, patient and resolute. We will then see that not training our hearts results only in suffering because our outlook will always be wrong. When we are really determined to practice meditation and develop our hearts to know and see the Dhamma, then through the strength of this chanda, or genuine wholesome aspiration, we must endeavor to struggle and strive in accordance with the Lord Buddha's instructions. The way of practice to knowing, seeing and understanding Dharma is the excellent path of sila, samadhi and panya, that is, the Noble Eightfold Path. Today we recited the Dhamma Chakapawatana Sutta, recounting the Four Noble Truths of Dukkha, Samuttaya, Niroda and Maka. The reason we come here is to study these very truths. The way Dukkha, suffering is, the way suffering is caused, Samuttaya, and the way suffering ceases, Niroda, and how to practice in order to bring the heart to Niroda, the cessation of suffering. Chanting and reciting in this way is a skillful means by which to study the Dharma as practical theory. After we have memorized and recited the teachings like this, we are able to remember and understand them so that when we begin to practice to realize the truth, then everything we contemplate becomes Dhamma. Practicing Dhamma means striving to abandon the unwholesome states that arise within our hearts, making merit and maintaining the wholesome and preventing the unarisen, unwholesome states from arising. This is equivalent to the path factor of right effort. If we have no mindfulness, or don't control ourselves with mindfulness, then it is like a river without a dam. Without an embankment to contain the water, it will naturally overflow. In the same way, if we don't have any mindfulness, or our mindfulness is insufficient, then our habitual moods will inevitably flood in and overwhelm our mind. Therefore, we need to establish a strong and, sta and stable mindfulness by focusing, focusing upon the meditation mantra Bhutto. We sit in meditation clearly knowing the in and out breath along with the mantra Bhutto, watching over our heart until eventually this eternal recitation fades away and tranquility arises. Sometimes there is a feeling that mindfulness has gathered at one point within the body, such as the tip of the nose for example. At this point, the heart is peaceful and firm in samadhi. Samadhi means concentration or concentrated awareness. The method of practice that results in right concentration is called samatakamatana. This refers to those skillful techniques by which the heart is brought to total tranquility. The recitation of a mantra such as Bhutto, Tammo or Sankho, practicing mindfulness of breathing or the contemplation of death and so forth are all forms of Samatha meditation. When the mind has been trained in Samatha meditation, whether standing, walking, seated or reclining, there will be the excellent peace of Samadhi. Vipassana Kamatana refers to those meditation practices that bring us to correct knowledge and vision of the truth. In what way, however, does, in the in does this insight arise? When the mind is properly calm and peaceful, it is this very peace that we then use to train ourselves in basic contemplation. 
This means investigating the physical body to which the heart clings as, us, as ours or ourselves. This clinging attachment, or upadana, is the cause of renowned existence, the cause of birth and the cause of aging, death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair. When the heart has upadana towards the body, then this physical form is perceived as our self or as something we possess. With the resulting experience of us and them, this is also the appearance of desire and aversion and the process of origination begins with this renewal of being and birth and is always accompanied by the arising of dukkha. It is this very dukkha that brings renewal of being and birth and which creates upadana, tanha, kilesa and finally avicca, fundamental ignorance. This, this is Patisamupada, the process of dependent origina- origination evolving according to the conditions of defilement. However, when we develop sila, samadhi and panya, as we are coming to do by determining to keep precepts, training diligently in mindfulness and samadhi, and striving to cultivate wisdom, then this is called walking the noble path. While we listen to Tamma, we can also focus upon the in and out breath, establishing our mindfulness on the sensation of breathing together with the mantra Bhutto. This is also practicing sila and samadhi together with Banya, wisdom that is, in as far as training the mind in tranquility is concerned. When the mind is peaceful, then we can contemplate what this physical body that we habitually attach to as me and mine is actually like. What was this minuscule form at conception like? What did it look like in the womb? What was the body like when it was newly born? How did it develop and upon what does its life depend? If our body goes without food, water, oxygen and warmth, then its elemental properties cannot sustain themselves. This body that we cling to as ourselves must inevitably disintegrate according to causes and conditions. If we contemplate in this way, the wisdom will arise that if this body we habitually cling to is really ours or ourselves, then why can we not control it? Why is it that although we don't desire it, this body grows old, sickens and dies? We don't want old age, sickness or death, so why do these things happen? The wisdom will arise that these things are normal. They are a way of nature. The heart will then disentangle itself from this upadana, that is, from the sense of me and mine. If the body was really ourself, we would have command over it and be able to direct it away from that which we do not desire, old age, sickness and death. But it isn't like this. This lump of a body follows the natural law of cause and condition. The manifestation of sila is the arising and sustaining mindfulness and wisdom throughout through the restraint of body and speech. The heart is firmly focused in samadhi without the hindrances of restlessness, anger, ill will, sloth and torpor, agitation and doubt. At that moment, the heart is free from all the hindrances and, and possessed of internal peace and serenity. This is the manifestation of samadhi. We then use the power of this samadhi for contemplation of the body, analyzing it in terms of elements or khandas. Investigate this body for yourselves. Contemplate the external body, that is, the bodies of others, and the internal body, or the body within the body, that is, ourselves sitting right here.
What is there inside this body wrapped in skin and hair with its nails and teeth? We must investigate to see what there is, analyzing its components into elements and colors, so that the heart will acknowledge the truth and give rise to insight. This is how we train our hearts in wisdom. Through frequent training in wisdom like this, the power of Samadhi will grow faint and fade away. We must then focus on bringing back and strengthening our mindfulness and concentration by training our hearts with, with a Samatha meditation object without letting up, whatever our posture may be. Whatever our thoughts or feeling might be, we must observe and look after, after our heart continuously. Those things that wander into awareness are namely forms, sounds, odours, flavours, bodily sensations and mind states. If the heart lacks concentration, it will then chase after this sensory contact, giving rise to becoming and birth together with happiness and suffering. The number of these becomings and births are countless. Life at present takes many forms, always cycling from birth to death and from death to birth, sometimes human, sometimes subhuman, sometimes with the growth of, wi- growth of wisdom as devatas, and when the heart grows in peace, even as Brahma gods. Consequently, we must put forth effort to train ourselves by patiently enduring sensory contact and the moods that arise in conjunction with this. If we allow this sensory contact to possess the heart, then samadhi will be weak and wisdom won't arise. Sila, that is, virtuous, disciplined behaviour, is an essential aspect of the training that requires our careful attention. Sila includes well-mannered composure of conduct and speech, together with patient endurance. This virtue of patience and forbearance is a trait and a treasure of the sages and saints. When possessed by moods such as anger and ill will, we can initially practice patience and forbearance by determining not to follow these mind states. When we can patiently endure and curb our feelings, then this is called practicing the the Dhamma of restraint. Patiently containing our moods and mind states means knowing how to contemplate in order to renounce and relinquish from the heart these feelings of lust and hate or anger and ill will. We generate feelings of renunciation and self-sacrifice by sharing what we have for the benefit of others. We must also be sincere in our aspiration to develop goodness and virtue. Being born as a human and encountering the Buddha Sasana is not easily accomplished. The Lord Buddha gave a simile expressing the immeasurable difficulty of gaining a human birth. It is more difficult to gain human existence than it is for a blind turtle living in the great ocean and which surfaces only once every hundred years to come across a floating bamboo ring that is being ever blown by the wind in all four directions. Nowadays, the greater number of those born as human beings can be called human only in outward form. On the level of the heart, however, they are not yet complete or perfect human beings. It is extremely difficult for the heart to become fully human because of the ever-blowing wind of sensory contact. Our hearts and minds are blown back and forth by the winds of form, sounds, smells, tastes, touches, moods and mind states. Lacking peace, our sila is shaking and concentration doesn't come. Therefore, we can look within our hearts and ask ourselves, will it be difficult to realize our humanity? Through contemplation we come to see the danger in lacking sila and also the benefits that these qualities of virtue and discipline bring. Practicing sila brings brings us internal happiness. 
peace and serenity. In Pali, these qualities are referred to as Bhogasapaya, the most excellent of treasures, that is, internal spiritual wealth. This is called to mind in the phrase, Silena Subhitinyanti, Sila is a vehicle to happiness. Silena Bhogasampata, Sila is the way to spiritual wealth. When well-restrained body in body and speech, we can see that sila is something of immense value, a vital wealth and the most perfect of possessions that can free our hearts from the cycle of birth and death. Whatever worldly wealth we may possess, it cannot free us from the sufferings of samsara. The, great, the greater the heart's greed, then the greater the, the delusion and clinging attachment, and the greater the growth of desire. This desire is what gives rise to the blinding snare of Upadana, which, even if it is not very strong, is difficult to abandon. However, when we are determined to practice sila, we can see the many advantages to be gained. That is, we realize how restraint, modesty, and graceful behavior of body, speech, and mind bring happiness now and in the future. Sila is an essential inner wealth that will enable our minds to know and see the Dharma and realize Nibbana, that is, peace and coolness within the heart. Therefore, we must be determined to be well trained in our behavior of body and speech. We must train our hearts in proper concentration, but this requires the use of a meditation object, and has, as has already been explained, whatever this may be, we can practice Maranano Sati, the recollection of death, contemplating the uncertainty, uncertainty of our lives and the certainty of death. We continuously reflect that having been born, we also must die. Whenever we hear news of death or dying, we can likewise reflect upon our own mortality. We cannot escape from death. Suppose that the global human population amounted to 5,000 million people of whom 50 million people died every year, 500 million every decade. If there were no new supplementary births, then within a century the entire population of the world would have passed away. All 5,000 million people. However, because there are additional births replacing those that have died, we fail to see the presence of death. Excepting those terrible events that stem from natural disasters involving water, wind and fire, when great numbers of human beings die through events such as these, then we can feel our own mortality and are able to reflect back upon ourselves that we too must also die. We cannot escape from death. When the heart is peaceful following on from whatever the method of training employed, whether the contemplation of death or a super meditation, then the insight can arise that really there is nobody who dies. What we take for a person is only the four elements shifting and changing according to causes and condition. At that moment the clear insight arises that there is no self or soul, no person or being, no me or you. This insight manifests as a non-verbal, non-discursive awareness. This is the arising of the wisdom that is known as vipassana and is dependent upon a mind that has previously been concentrated with samadhi meditation. When the mind has been concentrated, then whenever possessed by attachment to conventions such as the self, simultaneous insight into not-self will arise at that moment. This is what is called vipassana. We realize that referring to the body, whether our own or that of others, as our self, 
or their thought as this being or that person is only a convention of speech. Really, there is no personal being, there is no self or soul, and there is no us and them. This is realization right here that was spoken of as non-verbal awareness arising within the heart, clearly knowing and seeing the Dharma, leaving no room for doubt. Training ourselves further, we put forth effort practicing walking and sitting meditation until our hearts become calm and serene. Peace and piti, spiritual rapture, arise within our heart, whatever our posture. Previously, we had to be vigilant in our practice and strive hard to arouse energy and effort. However, when the mind becomes peaceful, the practice takes on a discipline and momentum of its own that pulls us into, onto the walking path and the meditation cushion. With mindfulness watching over the heart, knowledge and understanding arise. One who guards and cares for their heart will be freed from Mara's snare, delivered from all dukkha. With mindfulness carefully watching over our heart, the objects of attachment will be seen, and with reflection, let go of. When all sense objects are seen as anicca, dukkha, anatta, then the heart becomes peaceful. However, we still cannot afford to be negligent. When the heart is filled with the calm and peace of samadhi, then we must return again to the investigation of the body, contemplating this sankara that is a real source of clinging attachment. We must strive to uproot this upadana right here. If we continually practice in this way, then wisdom will arise, enabling samadhi to develop. This samadhi will, in turn, aid the arising of sila, that is, in the cultivation of discipline and restraint. We call this practice the threefold training of sila, samadhi, and panya, which can be expanded to include the eight factors of the noble path as explained by the supremely enlightened Buddha, the teacher of devas and humans. Buddha means one who is awakened, awakened to the truth. After the Buddha's enlightenment, then due to the power of his great compassion, Rather than dwelling alone in the bliss of liberation, he went forth with loving kindness to teach the multitude, beginning with Venerable Anyakonanda, the, the first of the Sāvaka Sankara. This realization and transmission of the Dharma continues through our teacher and guide in the practice, Lumpucha, right into the present. I believe that if we diligently apply ourselves to his teaching, then peace and happiness will arrive in our lives. Lay people should firmly establish their lives in virtue and goodness and try to cultivate mindfulness, samadhi, wisdom and samma right livelihood. Whatever our work or duties, we should endeavour to perform them with mindfulness using a mantra, putto, tammo, sankho, to hold our attention. We have come together to practice Dhamma, so whatever bodily movement or wholesome activity we engage in, we can meditate at the same time by focusing upon the mantra Buddha continuously. In this way, we can say that we are performing both our external duties and the internal tasks of making the heart peaceful. When we strive to train our hearts continuously like this, then our humanity will be complete in both body and mind. We become a Kalyana Jhana one whose heart is possessed of goodness and grace, like all of us gathered together here practicing Tamma. The heart of such a person aspires only to the arising of the wholesome merit that comes through the practice of Tamma. 
For what purpose have we travelled here today from the towns and the cities, both near and far? We have come seeking Buddha, the knower, or in other words, to realise this enlightened awareness and awaken our hearts like the Lord Buddha before us. In bringing forth this Buddha, or awakened awareness, then there is Buddha in the level of Sila, and Buddha on the level of generosity or Dharma. We already know that there is abundant wealth in the world and that stinginess is blameworthy. However, if we don't use our wealth beneficially, then when we are gone, it's worthless. Everyone is born and dies, and nobody can take with them the assets they have amassed. Whether vast wealth or even this physical body, entirely everything must be left behind. If our assets are not used in wholesome and meritorious activities, directed towards our spiritual welfare or the benefit of society as a whole, then they have scarcely any value. However, if we are heedful and possess the Buddha, this awakened awareness, then according to our strength or ability, we can be generous, self-sacrificing and of service to others. Whether our country, our fellows in society, or those experience accidents and misfortune, in this way we are giving and sharing our happiness with others. This is how we perfect the virtues of dana and chakra, generosity and self-sacrifice. When these virtues of goodness and generosity, generosity become natural inclinations of the heart, we then train in making peace and tranquility in our heart's natural abiding. Sometimes, however, while training the heart in peace, there will be restlessness, agitation and doubt. This is also natural. On occasions we may become frustrated. I'm a meditator. Why are greed, anger and delusion still present in the heart? It's natural though, that because our heart is not yet put tall, enlightened, it will still be deluded by the power of ignorance, craving and attachment. Therefore, when we come to practice, come to the practice of Dhamma, we have to abandon ignorance, craving and attachment. We must let go of delusion and cultivate wisdom, establishing the heart in Buddha, awakened awareness. When possessed of Buddha, the heart is not deluded. The undeluded heart is one possessed of wisdom, and the heart possessed of wisdom is free from suffering. The awareness that is Buddha begins with a heart that is happy, peaceful and free from stinginess. The law of Buddha's heart was completely established in Buddha. He further taught that if we aspire to a peaceful, radiant heart, or, in other words, if we are determined to realize the genuine original mind, the mind naturally possessed of purity and peace, then we must ardently meditate. Today we have such an opportunity to strive in meditation. We can use this occasion to listen to the teachings of the Kruba Ajahns and senior monks from the various branch monasteries of Wat Nong Papong, who have travelled here today to recollect the kindness of Lumpur Cha, the teacher who enabled us to gain understanding in these very teachings and who guided us in the same practice of, that we now undertake as an offering to his memory. As we practice in dedication to Lumpur Cha, we are cultivating that, that which is of benefit to us, higher wisdom and understanding. We have put forth effort to train ourselves, developing patient endurance in both sitting and walking meditation. Why is it that, when, why is it that we train ourselves? We train to realize the Dhamma, Akuba Ajahn Lumpur Cha, told us how this realization of Dhamma did not come easily. 
Before his heart awakened to Bhutto and he was able to teach and instruct his lay and ordained disciples, he experienced all kinds of obstacles, barely escaping with his life. We must focus on the mantra Bhutto, establishing continuous awareness, whether standing, walking, sitting, reclining, working, talking, drinking or thinking, right now, while listening to the Tamma, we can direct our minds to peace and not allow our attention to wander to other things. When the heart is peaceful, we can say that sila, samadhi and panya have arisen. We are able to understand the Dhamma as taught by the Lord Buddha, that this body is anichang, tukang, anatta. Anichang means impermanent, tukang means suffering, and anatta means without a genuine self. These physical forms that we call our substance or ourselves rise through a, com- rise through a companion of impersonal elements. The mind possessed by delusion, however, discriminates between these bodies believing this is me and this is you. All of us sitting here are identical in that we breathe, eat and drink. Therefore, we are all composed of the same fundamental elements, earth, air, fire and water. Why then do we cling to these elements, identifying with them as me and you? This attachment is because of delusion. The heart lacks wisdom and so delusion arises. In order to to establish wisdom in our heart, we must have mindfulness and put forth effort to carefully restrain our actions of body, speech and mind in a way that gives rise to samadhi. In practicing this way, we are cultivating satipatthana because this way of practice is within the framework of these four foundations of mindfulness. When developing satipatthana, do we begin by contemplating the body or feelings, the mind or mind objects? Lumpucha would answer that we begin by developing the first foundation, the section called Kayakata, mindfulness focused on the body. It is essential that we mindfully consider our physical body. Why is that so? For the reason that this coarse physical form, a source of our clinging attachment, can easily be investigated. As the other of as for the other foundations of mindfulness, beginning with feelings, the investigation proceeds from the contemplation of the body. Bodily feelings and mental feelings, for example, are related to each other. Sometimes we might investigate the body with mindfulness and wisdom, distinguishing between the various physical elements and immaterial aggregates, such as feelings, and contemplating their arising and ceasing until we realize that these feelings are merely mental processes that are neither a self, neither a person nor a being, and to be regarded as neither ours or theirs. On those occasions when the heart has been empowered through the practice to a greater degree, we can gain insight into the state of mind itself. Mind possessed by attraction or aversion, possessed by raka, dosa or moha, Sometimes we are able to recognize the mind that is without these defilements of greed, hatred and delusion. When, with the mindfulness and wisdom, the heart recognizes these defilements together with attraction and aversion, then they pass away. This is an identification that, on these occasions, the investigation is focused on the third foundation of mindfulness. However, this does not mean that we are able to contemplate at this level all the time because the strength of our heart, the powers of samadhi and wisdom, eventually weaken and we are unable to maintain the contemplation anymore. 
the investigation then falls backwards into this back, back to the second foundation focused on feelings which, in turn, further weakens and drops down to a lower level. Therefore, we must contemplate this body as a basic foundation of practice. In the initial stage of training, we must try our absolute hardest in caring for the mind, keeping it wholesome, firm and focused. We can look internally. Why is our state of mind like this? Is it wholesome or unwholesome? In what ways does the mind think of proliferate? Are these thoughts and mental formations just memories and fantasies? Whatever mental phenomena arise, we must observe and investigate them. If our inner strength is sufficient, when we contemplate these phenomena, wisdom will arise. When our inner strength weakens, then it is enough to investigate the body. This is the work we have to do. Striving in this way weakens clinging and attachment, brings forth wisdom and strengthens our practice of the path. This way of practice can be called the path of power or the fearless path through which the chelations shrink away. However, we cannot cease in our efforts. Whenever we pause along the path, the chelations take over from here. We must put forth effort to be carefully composed and consistent in, the practice, in our practice of the path. When our practice is steady all the time, then our heart will develop to a higher degree. If the heart is peaceful to a certain level while walking in meditation, then when coming to sit in samadhi, sit in samadhi this calm and serenity will deepen further. When we maintain an even and continuous calm while sitting in meditation, then this tranquility will abide in Abiding will develop and extend all into all our normal, everyday movements and activities, and the heart will experience even greater peace. The practice will progress to the level where, through investigation, the body is seen with insight as just form elements and as something loathsome and repulsive. The more the body is seen with insight as unattractive, the more the heart becomes beautiful and bright. The deeper the insight into the repulsiveness of the body, then the deeper the happiness that arises, and this internal happiness increases. The more profound becomes the insight into not-self. The heart uproots clinging and attachment. It is, it is as if it has entered another world. This experience can be called, called the comprehension, comprehension or realization of the Tamma. We persist and preserve training our hearts continuously in this way until clear comprehension arises. We will come to know the meaning of the phrases Apamano Putto, boundless of the virtues and goodness of the Lord Buddha. Apamano Tammo, boundless is the excellence of the Dhamma. Apamano Sankho, boundless are the virtues and goodness of the Lord Buddha's enlightened disciples, including our teacher, Lumpuchara. Though the most venerable Lumpucha as our refuge and focus of recollection, we are also recollecting the virtues and goodness of the Sangha of the and the enlightened teachers that we have gathered here and are practicing together today is because of the goodness and kindness of Lumpucha, the wholesome, nurturous and sublime spiritual virtues he accumulated through diligent practice are the very qualities that, that we bring to mind today. These virtues of our Kuba Ajahn that we recall today are absolutely boundless. Whatever training we have received and whatever knowledge or understanding of the Dhamma we have gained, it is because of the kindness of our Kuba Ajahn who taught and instructed us with so much loving kindness. This itself was only made possible by virtue of the Lord Buddha's boundless and all-encompassing great compassion. 
which motivated both his quest for enlightenment and, following his realization, his mission to teach the Dharma to the multitude. In India at the present, those who count, count themselves as faithful Buddhas amount to less than 1% of a total population that numbers more than 1 billion, billion people. Thus, the number of Buddhists in India can be reckoned as insignificant. However, owing to the loving kindness of the Lord Buddha's enlightened disciples, the Dharma has spread to Thailand where it provides the founding and guiding principles of this country, which enable us to practice in their wake. The Lord Buddha has already passed away into Parinipana, but his teaching still remains. It is taught that one who sees the Dhamma sees the Tathagata. If we travel to India, we can see the various holy sites. Here the Buddha was born. Right here is where the Lord Buddha realized enlightenment. Here at the deer park in Isitapana is where he delivered the first teaching, the Dharma Chaka Pawatana Sutta. Here is where he passed away into Parinipan. Visiting all these places can give rise to pity and some way, elevating our hearts, bringing forth that which is wholesome and meritorious. However, if we understand and realize the Dharma, then we will see the Buddha in our heart. How do we see the Buddha? How do we see the Dhamma? How do we see Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta? In order for this wisdom to arise, the heart must be at peace. How do we make the heart peaceful? Stilling the heart requires a basic meditation object. Wherever we live in this world, Thailand or elsewhere, we must develop our minds, cultivating a basic theme of meditation. We must develop mindfulness and the type of samadhi that is endowed with vitaka, vichara, piti, sukha and ekrata. We meditate knowing in and out breath, focusing on the mantra putto. Eventually the breathing becomes more refined and the mantra vanishes. The mind then converges firmly in samadhi. There is no internal recitation of the mantra. The mind is serene, happy, blissful and one-pointed. The mind has converged to the basic level of samadhi. The mind that has converged in samadhi to this point is peaceful and free from all the hindrances. We can then use the power of this samadhi for contemplation in our quest for wisdom until we see clearly, that is, we see the Dhamma. When we see the Dhamma, we see the Buddha. When we see the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, indiversibly together at the same moment, we no longer have any doubts about the meaning of the phrase, the one who sees the Dhamma sees the Tathagata. Therefore, let us all get on with the practice, restraining our speech and actions, being disciplined and mindful and well concentrated in samadhi. Let us strive in battle with the hindrances of sloth and torpor, anger, ill will and doubt. We must preserve, even though sometimes it sometimes appears difficult and that we can no longer endure. When possessed of energy and effort that we don't need, then we don't get discouraged. We are bound to succeed. If our effort is consistent, then peace is bound to arise. We have to consider how many years of our life remain. Suppose that we, have, that we live to 75 years of age. How much longer do we have? If we are 50 years old already, then we only have 25 years left. 25 years is not long at all. The hours and days are ticking by. Our life too will soon be extinguished and we will have to depart from this world. Whereas the length of this life is uncertain, death is a definite certainty. 
Therefore, we must persist and persevere in training the mind and admonishing ourselves continuously without lapse. We can remind ourselves that due to the goodness and kindness of Lumpur Cha, this assembly of the faithful, both lay and ordained, increases in numbers every year. Furthermore, many Kulva Ajahns, disciples of Lumpur Cha, have travelled here from near and far to venerate the goodness of our venerable teacher. Many lay people have also come here from both near and far away to practice meditation and train the mind. Therefore, we remind ourselves as the purpose as to the purpose of coming together here, that is, to study the Dhamma and train the mind. We can ask ourselves, how do we study the Dhamma? Where is the Dhamma? The Dhamma is right here, this body and mind of ours. However much one expounds upon the teaching, the truth lies right here within this body and mind. Therefore, we train our hearts to realize peace, and then we contemplate the body to gain the insight that is that is clinging and attachment to this body alone, that is the cause of greed, hatred, delusion and attachment to itself. When clinging attachment has already arisen, then craving and defilement will also arise as the conditions cause for further attachment, bringing forth renewal of being and birth continuously. All the various ways and routes through this through this world upon which we have travelled here from far and near away, whether by air, land or water, are still rooted only in this world. They are ways that merely wheel and wander in samsara, the cycle of birth and death, death and birth. The best of past, however, is the way that leads to Madhasamaki, that is the unification of the eight factors of the path, or in short, the merging into unity of Sila, Samadhi and Panya. The way of the Noble Eightfold Path is the way out of Sansara. It is not every day that a being comes into the world to proclaim this best of paths. It was our teacher, the supremely enlightened Buddha, who awakened to and made known this noble path. And it, and it was one who had practiced in his way, one of the Arya Sankha, who explained this way of practice to us all, that is, Lumbhucha. Therefore, we must follow his example and practice accordingly. Lumbhucha explained the way of practice completely. It is just a question of whether we will walk this path or not. If we don't follow this path, then the heart will remain deluded and a cause for our mental and physical suffering. The Buddha taught that if our bones did not decay as we wander through samsara being born and dying endlessly, then there would not be enough room in this world to contain all these bones. We should consider this carefully, that if this world is not broad enough to contain the bones of even one person as they are born and die countless times, then whenever, then wherever we walk or step on this earth, we are treading mountains of our own bones from all these previous lives. We should further contemplate that whatever the duration of this samsara may be, we have already experienced countless births, and so if we remain in a state of delusion, then we still don't know how many more years or future lives will have to come before we gain insight and some samsara reaches its end. In this life, however, we have gained a human birth and discovered the Buddhasasana. We can put forth effort to practice meditation so that we do not lose the advantage of this meritorious and auspicious human birth where we have encountered the teachings of the Buddha. In Thailand, the Buddhasasana is complete and perfect in every way, so, what, so we should pull forth effort to realize this teaching. Don't dally in the practice. If we don't practice sincerely or resolutely, then we don't see or realize the truth. 
Therefore, we should possess ourselves with chanda, viriya, chitta, and vimasa in order to develop the bodhiya pakya tamas, that is, the enlightenment factors. The bodhiya pakya tamas include these four roads to success, as well as the four foundations of mindfulness, the noble eightfold path, the five spiritual faculties, the five powers, and so on. Collectively, they are called the enlightenment factors, but these can be further divided into many categories and can, and can seem quite complicated. However, when they come together in the mind, their function is simply to know, am I mindful? Where is my mind right now? What is my mind thinking about in this present moment? Is it wandering or lost in fantasies? What is the state of my mind? We can observe our own mind, asking ourselves the question as to who we should take as the teacher and trainer of this mind. The answer is that we take the one who knows. This awakened awareness as the teacher and trainer of our deluded heart. If we don't have this awakened awareness guiding the heart, then it will just race about, endlessly generating a continuous succession of becomings and births and suffering. It is said that with mindfulness closely keeping watch over and caring for our heart, it will not be destitute or orphaned like a child without a guardian, unable to look after itself. The mind is similar to this helpless child. Without a guardian, the mind will just race along thinking, fantasizing, doubting, lost in views of self and others, which which always arise with the feeling that these things, ourselves and others, are real. This is ignorance. These things are anatta. Their reality is only the four elements. These skeletons sitting right here, that is, all of us sitting right here, are they the same or different from each other? We can ask ourselves, as one pile of bones to another, are these skeletons men and women? They are neither of these. They are naturally elements existing just the way they are. Head hair, body hair, nails, teeth and skin. These are the wrappings of this body. What's this body like on the inside? We can go internally and contemplate this body within the body to see what is wrapped inside. When our eye contact forms, delusion and attachment arise. We perceive beauty and, a- and attractiveness which brings forth desire and aversion. What is the cause of this? The cause is ignorance smothering our hearts so that it doesn't see the truth. The Buddha declared that the Dhamma is beautiful in the beginning, beautiful in the middle, and beautiful at the end. The beauty in the beginning is sila, the beauty in the middle is, is that of samadhi, and if we arouse knowledge and vision of the truth, then we must practice this centered concentration. The beauty in the end is wisdom, bringing it forth and perfecting it. We are already possessed of good fortune and merit, and therefore should strive to realize the Dharma in this lifetime, bringing it forth so, so as to reside in our heart. As a monk and a member of the Sangha, the Buddha called us, called us a renunciant, one who is resolute, frugal and content, one who comes to train the heart with no desire but for that of knowledge and of the realization of the truth which there is to be realized in this world. Whether an enlightened Buddha appears or not, the true nature of all things is an ichang, dukkang, anatta. Through these, the, although these truths have already been revealed, if the heart lacks wisdom, then delusion and attachment arise so that we do not see them. However, when the heart is possessed of wisdom, it will see the truth. It has already been revealed that this body, for example, is a nichang, dukkang, anatta. 
His body has no self or soul. It is not a person or a being or me or you. Has this body ever declared that, that it's ourself? Have the hairs on the head and body or the nails, teeth and skin ever declared this? Have the bones or any other part of the body ever announced that they are our essence of or self? We can take this body apart and see for ourselves. The skeleton, for example, is made up of many parts located throughout the body, such as the bones of the skull, arms, legs, hands, feet and ribcage. We can sort out the bones of the body a piece at a time, a section at a time. Have any of these parts ever declared that they were, they were our soul? None of them have ever announced this. When we analyse the body and see that there is no self, then the heart becomes peaceful and the clear realisation arises that this body is merely elements that exist just as they are, following the way of nature. There is no person or being or self or soul or me or you to be found. Seeing in this way, the mind will disengage from the body and simultaneously insight will arise that the body is one thing and the mind another. With this realisation, knowledge and vision arise, but we no longer cling to this wisdom and insight. That is, we no longer identify with it as ours or ourselves. As we gain insight, we let go of it at the same time, repeating this process over and over again. If we proceed in this way over and over again, then the heart will become one with the knowledge and vision of the truth and realize this very Dharma that has been revealed. The Lord Buddha announced that the Tathagata is simply one who declares. What is it that he declares? He declares that it is impermanent. This is suffering. This is not self. When we don't have a sense of discipline or strain in body and speech, then the heart is troubled and confused. We must have internal discipline because the heart that is troubled and confused is never satisfied. It is always on the lookout for sensory stimulation and chasing after the objects of sensual desire. The undisciplined heart is never content. It never has its fill of sensuality. What is the reason for this? The reason is that the heart lacks a meditation practice to guide and train it. It is said that to see the value in Bhutto, the knower, the awakened one, the enlightened one, we have to take up the internal recitation of the mantra Bhutto and make the heart peaceful. When the heart is tranquil and at peace, then it is awakened within. In what way is it awakened within? The heart is awakened in that it is peaceful and greed, hatred and delusion cannot enter. In this peaceful state, the heart is completely satisfied and is no longer interested in external sense objects. We can recite Bhutto continuously with whatever our posture or activity be it eating, coming or going, chanting or meditating, if we keep this up, then our mindfulness will be firm and focused. Bhutto and peace will become firmly and inseparably rooted in the heart. If we do not practice in this way, then our samadhi may weaken and deteriorate. In, internally we will lose our cool and composure and become troubled and confused, unable to find any peace. Why does our strength of mind weaken? It weakens because the heart lacks the supervision of a basic meditation object. We must strive to train our heart to realize peace and maintain this state of mind, freed from all the hindrances, without becoming discouraged. When the peace that is freedom from the hindrances arises, we will know the value of the awakened heart. We will see the value of the peace of meditation and from in the heart that is radiant and free from the hindrances that distract and disturb it. The value of all these things will become apparent to us. 
Faith in meditation will arise as well as the confidence that we can maintain continuous mindfulness. Effort and perseverance will also become continuous. What has been described here are the principles and methods of practice as taught to us by our great teacher Lumpur Chara. Therefore, let us continuously strive to put these teachings into practice. This is the way of paying homage to them and bringing forth wisdom. With this wisdom we can analyse this body and mind, distinguishing between the elements, the khandas, the sense bases and so on. As we advance along the path, wisdom will develop, mindfulness will improve and we will be free from ill will. We will come to know and see the body and mind in increasing levels of refinement and this insight will steadily deepen. This is the way to go to abandon greed, hatred and delusion until we clearly know all these internal and external hindrances of the heart and mind. Whenever the heart converges and the factors of the Eightfold Path unify, it is liberated from greed, hatred and delusion. Initially this freedom from greed, hatred and delusion is the experience of Tatanga Vimuti, that is, using insight to temporarily overcome these defilements. Eventually, however, there is the experience of total liberation through the destruction of the fetters that bind the heart to samsara, the defilements of sakayetiti, personality view, vichekita, doubt, and sila bhattaparama, attachment to precepts and practices, are destroyed by this unified path. Therefore, let's get down to the basics, then proceed higher and higher until greed, hatred and delusion fade away and are finished. At this stage, knowledge and vision arise, and the heart is completely filled with the awakened awareness that this Buddha, together with the genuine peace that comes from the, se- from the cessation of greed, hatred and delusion. Coming to practice Dhamma as an offering or an expression of devotion and gratitude means that we recollect the boundless virtues and goodness of the Lord Buddha, the unsurpassed teacher of devas and humans. He is the Buddha, the Noah, the Enlightened One, the Awakened One, and he is the Pakawa, the one who thoroughly explained and expanded the Dhamma until he was realized by others, bringing into being the Sāvaka Sankara. This Dhamma revealed by the Buddha has value beyond limits, with the phrase, Appamano Sankho, boundless of the virtues and the goodness of the Sangha. We can especially recollect the most venerable Bodhinyana Thera, who is dearly respected, revered and venerated by all. Finally, as a consequence of my respect and reverence for the Buddha, Dhammas and Sankara, may we, firmly may we be firmly established in virtue and in that which is wholesome. May we prosper and progress, free from obstacles, both in work and in the practice of Dhamma. May we live within the bounds of the Buddha Dhamma until our hearts realize peace together with the wisdom that witnesses the truth.